from sunny Minnesota, this is the Polaris Podcast, brought to you by the Polaris Help Center. I am Joe Zemer, and I am not an expert, but I am joined by one. Today, we're taking a deeper dive into the drive belt on our snowmobiles. And for that, I am excited to be joined by our drive belt expert, Polaris Senior Staff Clutching Engineer, Amory Cool. Amory is going to tell us all about the importance of our belt, how we can maximize its lifespan, and why we recommend using Polaris belts. So let's welcome Amory back to the podcast. We have questions about snowmobile belts, so for that we turn to Amory, who was our very first guest on this podcast way back in 2019. So Amory, first off, thanks a bunch for taking some time to chat today. Absolutely, Joe. Glad to be able to visit with you again. So before we get right into belts, can you quick tell everybody what your job here at Polaris entails for those who are new to the podcast? Sure. So I am one of a team of CVT engineers, and I work exclusively along with several of my cohorts on everything from the design of CVT parts to the design of the clutches themselves to specification of belts and working with suppliers on new specifications and new designs of belts and really everything that connects from the engine crankshaft back to the jack shaft is is all on on my team or a team that I work with. Awesome. So let's talk belts then. First off, for our new riders and new listeners, why is the belt so important? Why do we talk about this a lot and what is its role in the operation of the snowmobile? So the belt is the coupling between the engine and the jack shaft. So all of the power of every snowmobile has to go right through that CVT belt. So it's got the demanding job of holding back all the the power the engine is producing while at the same time being able to go through a terrific range of different speeds on it. It's also the transmission. So in addition to just transmitting the power, which is pretty demanding in and of itself, the belt also multiplies the torque the engine is producing when you're getting started so that you get more torque, more tractive capability to the track so you can get out of the hole really hard, uh, along with allowing you to go very, very fast. As you accelerate in speed, the belt is changing pitch diameters seamlessly while trying to keep that engine running at the absolute peak performance. And because it changes its the pitch diameters and the speeds that it's working at while maintaining engine RPM, it'll go into an overdrive state. So Originally, you're multiplying torque when you get up near the top speed of your sled. It's now multiplying the speed of it with a little bit with reduced torque so that you can you know, hit the high speeds that you want to hit on lakes or trails. Does this vary based on model, or are the things that we're going to talk about today, are they going to apply to all Polaris snowmobile models? You know, fundamentally, everything is going to apply across the board. The system is not that different as you go from say like a 550cc air-cooled machine to the top of the line 850cc turbocharged snowmobiles, its role is the same. What does change are some of the parts that we use. And they, they change because we optimize based on you know characteristics of the vehicle, the how customers ride, the specific calibration based on elevation and the track and snow conditions that we expect. But fundamentally, everything we're going to talk about for break-in and characteristics of the belt is going to apply across all the Polaris snowmobile models. I say save for the 120cc youth model that has no CVT belt in it, has a, a different type of a centrifugal clutch. But for all the, the two-stroke and four-stroke snowmobiles, it's going to apply to all of those. Let's start with something basic. And for new riders, what is the typical lifespan of a belt, if you can estimate that? 
so lifespan is going to vary a lot depending on what you do with it. It's like I said, it forms the transmission on it, similar to, you know, people that do a lot of towing with their vehicle, the transmission is going to be expected to change out the transmission fluid on a greater cadence on it. So it's going to depend quite a bit on how you ride. Generally speaking, customers should be expecting to get in the neighborhood of 2,000 to 3,000 miles for, you know, kind of moderately aggressive riding. There's certainly a host of customers that are going to going to clock on 4,000, 5,000 miles without issues. Uh, conversely, there are ways that you can damage a belt very, very quickly in the life of a snowmobile. And, and there are single events where you get a stuck track or something of that nature where you can put a, a hourglass or spin burn mark in the side of the belt and you can damage a belt uh, in very, very short time in just a single event. We have talked about breaking in the past on, on this podcast, but I think it's important to talk about this again in relation to belts. What is the proper way to break in a belt, be it on a new snowmobile or just a new belt? Sure. So what's important on belts in that initial break-in is to get kind of some heat cycling and some flexing of the belt at low load. And low load is really the key there. When a belt is installed brand new, it is going to run hotter than it will once it's been broken in. So it's very important that we don't overheat that belt right away the first time we install it. So we want to try to reduce the load on it as much as possible. So that's going to mean applying light throttle, think, you know, zero to quarter, maybe half throttle for short bursts. Uh, For the first at least 50 miles of operation of it, you want to avoid high speed content. The faster you go, the more power you're putting into the belt and the hotter it's going to run. So it's very important to pay close attention to kind of varying throttle position and speeds. Uh, For sure, avoid, you know, abrupt throttle right out of the hole. Belts, the hottest and most damaging time for a belt is right when it's starting to engage on the clutches. There's a lot of slip going on, a lot of clamp and pinch going on. And so uh, gently accelerating from a, a stop and varying throttle and keep taking it kind of, so to speak, easily for the first 50 miles is critical for that belt break-in. On some of our snowmobiles, the four-stroke models, there's low gear on it. So if you have a uh, Titan, it's a very, very good idea to use low gear for that initial break-in for the reason that it just reduces the load on everything. By using that low gear, there's you know less force that has to go through that belt in order to move the vehicle. And it also helps you to, to mine your speeds as it is it is pretty hard to reserve yourself and and not just crack it wide open when you get that new belt installed. Now, what are some of the things that put stress on the belt? And are there some challenges that are unique to snowmobiles as opposed to other types of vehicles? Ooh, good question. So things that are very stressful on a belt are anytime you're in a high load condition and, uh, and not going, you know, real quickly. So We call it low ratios. That's going to be a time when the engine is running pretty fast, but the track isn't spinning quite as quickly. And so some of the the most stressful things for a belt are going to be like climbs up really steep hills are going to be really challenging on a belt because the track speed is pretty low. Uh, Times that you've got, you know, a whole bunch of fresh powder on a lake and you're trying to go fast, there's a lot of power being transmitted and your track speed is down a little that's going to be kind of stressful on a belt because you've you've got 
all that power going through a, a pretty small diameter on the belt on the engine side of it. And so it, it does require a lot of clamp and a lot of heat gets built up. The, uh, the other thing I would say that's kind of stressful on a belt is going to be getting started early in the morning. Belts, they're a rubber part and rubbers get hard when it gets cold out. And on the, the very coldest of mornings and cold being times when it's like 20 below zero Fahrenheit or so, anything colder than that, it's important to give the belt a little bit of time to warm up in the morning because it, just like you or me, don't like to move a lot of times in the morning when it's that cold out. The belt doesn't like to flex very readily when it's that cold either. And the track is in the same boat. So that very first startup in the morning, uh, if you don't free the track up and it's frozen to the skid and the track isn't limbered up nicely, that initial drive away and takeoff, it's pretty, it's easier then than any other time in the day to put a, an hourglass or, or spin burn mark in it because of the, all the, the stress and force it takes to just get that stiff, cold belt and stiff, cold track moving. And as far as challenges, that is really unique. Our, our snowmobile customers ride snowmobiles kind of regardless of the temperature. So it's, it's commonplace to be riding a snowmobile when it's 30 below and even 40 below. And an ORV product doesn't have to deal with that extremely cold startup in the morning. And that, that is, is a challenging thing for belts and vehicles as a whole. So then how can we as riders make sure we are getting the most out of our belts? It all starts with that break-in, like I mentioned earlier, starting out with a very good gentle break-in on the belt just gets you set off on the right foot over the next thousands of miles of the life of it. So that's critical right away with a brand new belt. And the next thing is going to be, you know, if you you do get a track stuck, whether it's in the morning and it's frozen, make sure the track is loose and free before you try to drive away. If you, you know, get stuck in soft snow, it's easy to get the, the skid so packed full of snow that it's really challenging to get the the track to spin over. Uh, trying to do your best to free up that track quickly within a, a quick throttle, not a throttle stab, but applying throttle pretty ab- abruptly to to try to encourage the track to rotate and not have all that slip going into the belt. That's going to be important along with just general maintenance of your CVT system. It's important to make sure that, yeah, you know, bushings are, are appropriate and not worn out in your drive clutch. Make sure that as you change elevation with snowmobiles, which is super commonplace for folks that you're adjusting the clutching to match the conditions that you're at and the elevation that you're riding. And sometimes even the temperature that you're riding making sure that you're running the proper clutching and the CVTs are in very good working condition are, are critical to getting the most, not just performance-wise, but also life-wise out of your belt. What are some of the warning signs that your belt might be worn? If I'm out riding and I'm a new rider, what are some of the things I should be on the lookout for? So the one you'll notice right away uh, on driveway, if you're paying attention for it, I've mentioned it several times here about how critical it is when you get, you know, the track stuck or the track is cold to make sure you're not slipping the belt a bunch. If you do slip the belt a bunch and some of that magic smoke will likely come out of the hood if you if you get it really stuck up, you'll notice that when you go to drive away after that, it drives away kind of notchy. There'll be a little bit of a jerk in it. That's going to be a, a good indication that there's a damaged spot on the belt and that doesn't necessarily mean that the belt is going to fail 
right then and there and you need to worry about you know not making it back to your truck but it does mean that there's a spot on the belt that is now narrower than other places and if you continue to run for an extended amount of time there you're going to have a little more wear on bushings in the clutch because the clutch sheaths when they hit that they have to jump and bounce a little bit and it's it's harder on the cvt component so that's one a jerkiness on driveway is going to be one of the warning signs that you've got a bad spot in a belt for the most part our polaris belts are going to degrade over time so it is possible for a belt to just fail you know pretty unexpectedly but the way our cvt systems and the belts are designed now usually there's some telltale indicators when a belt is getting end of life where if you pay attention to the rpm if you get a a safe spot that you can hold it at wide open throttle for a couple few seconds pay attention to the rpm that the snowmobile is running as belts get towards the end of their useful life usually the rpm will be a little bit lower the throttle response will be a little bit more sluggish than it was so it if you're used to every time you crack the throttle at about that temperature and elevation, seeing 8,100, 8,200 RPM, and now all of a sudden, you know, or over the course of, you know, a season or a winter, you're only getting 7,900 RPM or 7,800 RPM. It's likely that over time, that belt has gotten a little bit narrower and the coefficient of friction has also changed. And so that's going to be a, a tattletale sign that the belt is getting to the point where you should look at replacing it when RPM starts to drop more than two or 300 RPM. Another important thing is inspection. How often should we be inspecting our belts and what are we looking for there? One of the, the best practices on belts is to inspect them. Uh, well, first, in accordance with your owner's manual, I like to inspect my belt every time I'm in there adding oil. So you've got that side panel off, you know, if you ride a lot, it's going to be just about every morning you're in there adding oil. And that's a good chance to take a look at the side of the belt and inspect as long as you've got that side panel off, you're adding oil to it. It's really not any extra work to take a glance down at that belt and make sure that you don't see any other kind of weird anomalies going on with it. And when I like weird anomalies, it'd be things like uh, tails of the cord material. There's kind of a yellowish aramid or Kevlar based cord that's in the belt. If you see long tails of that longer than quarter inch or half inch that are sticking out of the side of the belt. Uh, at a minimum, you're going to want to trim those tails back, but the best would be to, to replace the belt at that point. So look for, you know, frayed edges of, of cord, look for any cogs that are beginning to peel off and peel away from that cord line. Uh, another one I get a lot of questions with on, is it okay to run or not? Is when you look at the side of the belt, there'll be little kind of cracks in between the plies of rubbers and often they look like little v's on the inner cogs and that's going to be a a normal thing that happens as a belt gets older because we're transmitting a lot of power a lot of heat putting that rubber under a lot of stress over time the rubber gets hard it loses some of its flexibility and you'll start to see some of those little kind of v-shaped checks in the inner cog not a sign for immediate alarm just because you see you know a a few of them on the belt and they're pretty short. They're a couple millimeters long, eighth inch long or so. That's not any cause for major concern, but it is a, a good point to you know begin thinking about next time you're at your dealer picking up a, a new belt or replacing the belt with a new one. But you can run you know, multiple hundreds of miles, sometimes thousands of miles after you see that first check. But if they start getting you know 
very large, larger than a, a few millimeters, I'd probably go ahead and replace that belt. And if I got half a dozen of them that are more than a couple millimeters long, I'm probably going to replace it before I head off on my next long weekend snowmobile trip. When it does come time for a replacement belt, why do we recommend Polaris belts? Uh, there's a whole nother video that I go into great detail into why Polaris belts are the best. And I stand behind that. If there was a better belt that we could be sticking on any of our snowmobiles, we would be using it. And everywhere from, you know, at the very beginning of programs, we've had programs where we've worked with the belt supplier to come up with uh, new versions and new compounds of belts specifically for our new application to maximize the durability and the performance of our snowmobiles. And that's something that with aftermarket belts, you're just not going to have that. They they have to target a very wide audience with very general compounds, and they they aren't specifically tailored to your snowmobile. Calibration is another big one. I mentioned before how you know when our belts get worn, RPM will drop down and, and they run a little lower and the throttle response isn't quite as crisp as it once was. And with aftermarket belts, that's very often the case where uh, there's changes in what RPM that the, the sled is running. And so you wind up having to change weights unnecessarily. And then, you know, all those clutching matrices that we put out for what helix angles and what gearing and what weights and what springs to run at all different elevations, all of that info is kind of out the window at that point. And you're, you're kind of on your own a little bit. And certainly that may wind up being a guide, but you're also a little bit off script as far as what we know is going to work and what we know is going to provide with the best ride. And the, the final reason is that durability wise, I mean, like I said, if there was a better belt that we knew of, we'd be putting it on our snow wheels. We, we specifically tailor them to maximize customer expectations and, and keep our riders riding. Yeah, everyone should make sure to check the episode description for this episode. I'm going to put a link to that video in there too, so you can get some more in-depth details from Amory about our belts. Amory, let's give everyone a little sneak preview though. What's the design process like for making a, a Polaris belt? Can you take us way, way back to the beginning of that process? Absolutely. So design of any new belt is going to start boy, anywhere from 12 to 18 months, even before we put snowmobiles on the snow. And it starts with us figuring out what the need for customers are and getting a, a list of all the requirements that we're going to have for be it a new snowmobile chassis or new engine configuration. What does it have to do? How long is it going to go? What power is it going to be? And we lay out all those requirements and then we'll contact the belt manufacturers and we work with a number of belt suppliers on this and, and ask them kind of what their thoughts are on, on this proposal and what the any new technology they have that maybe we can inject into our CVT program. And so we begin working, you know, often even before there's an engine that's running, if it's a new engine, we've already worked, are beginning to work with the belt suppliers to come up with new compounds and new geometries and cog profiles that are going to be more durable based on the calculations for that. From there, as soon as we get the first engines running and, and, off, and clutches made, and the clutches at this stage are going to be made out of billet aluminum. We've got engines that are made out of billet aluminum. And, and the very first ones we begin running in our endurance dyno, as we call it, which is a, it's a fired engine dynamometer where we run it through cycles based on data that we've collected from 
our test drivers and consumers alike uh, on the snow. And we very closely uh, mimic the exact types of high speed and high load and long pull conditions that our customers put them through. And we're running the new proposed belts along with the very, very first engines on there. It's not uncommon as we go through that to have a couple of tweaks before we get the first sleds on a snow. And then it's a full one, maybe two seasons of running the any new belt design, new CVT system on snowmobiles. And we get we run, you know, literally thousands of belts a year across the dynamometer and in field test as we before we ever release anything to a customer to make sure that it doesn't just work, you know, from the calculations we did at the very onset of the program, but it works in the lab, it works on our engine dynamometer and is meeting all of our expectations there. And we finally round that all out with making sure that it's working in real snowmobiles, on real snow and on real lakes, on lakes, on rivers, trails, and in the mountains and towing. We make sure that it works in all these conditions on real snowmobiles before we, we ever release anything to the public. I think you answered that question here, but is how exhaustive is the test if, testing process then? <laughs> it is, from my perspective, when I came in, it is impressive how many sets of clutches that we go through and belts that we go through and engines that we go through every year. Uh, it It's extremely exhaustive. The I won't say that we catch everything in our validation because, I mean, clearly as soon as you make something new, uh, people begin using them in a different way and people are modifying their snowmobiles and putting longer tracks and aftermarket turbochargers. So there's there's obviously things that people do differently, but it is it is exhaustive to the point where like we have we've got a a test engineer that his job is just managing that powertrain endurance lab based testing. There's another engineer that's managing the testing in vehicles and we've got this huge team of uh, test technicians and test drivers and all these this group supporting it that it's it's not just myself or someone from the CVT team that's working through this it's a it's a group of a half a dozen plus engineers that are technical and test engineers that are working on it along with 20 to 50 different technicians and test drivers that all are interfacing with just the CVT system and, and the snow and snowmobiles with the CVTs on them before you see it. So it is really a, it's a, it's a team effort here at Polaris that impacts kind of all sides of the engineering and design process. Well, Amy, we appreciate all that information and that little insight into the testing and design process. So thank you so much for making time for us today. Absolutely. Anytime, Joe. A big thanks to Amory for all of that information. And a big thanks to all of you for downloading, listening, and subscribing. If you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. We're happy you found us. Please leave a five-star review if you're so inclined. Hit that subscribe button and tell your friends to do the same. And don't forget to browse our archives and listen to some past episodes for more snowmobile maintenance and operation tips. Also make sure to check out the description of this episode. There you'll find some useful drive belt related links. And also look for the link that tells you how to contact us. Because if you have a question or an idea for a future episode, we want to hear from you. Then make sure to stay tuned for more episodes. Until next time, this has been the Polaris Podcast.
Hi, you've reached Joe. Sorry I missed your call. Please leave me your name, your number, and a short message, and I'll get right back to you. Thanks, and have a great day. Straight to voicemail. Okay, Joe, you need to tell them that the Polaris Health Center is their first stop for vehicle information, maintenance tips, and how-to videos. All they have to do is look for the help button in the upper right-hand corner of any Polaris brand website. They also need to remember that all riders should always wear helmets, eye protection, and protective clothing and footwear. Read, understand, and follow their owner's manual. Never ride under the influence of drugs or alcohol, and always ride within the limits of your own abilities and never engage in stunt or exhibition driving. Next time, answer your phone. Okay, bye. 